All right, welcome to the Seattle Sports Union podcast. I am your host, Brian the Soulman Solak. Tonight I am going solo, so bear with me, but this should be fun because we got a special guest tonight, the one and only Mariner PA announcer Tom Hutler. How you doing, bud? Good. How you doing, Brian? Doing I guess you're well. Brian Brian Solo Solak tonight. Yeah, Brian Solo Solak. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I have to say it again. Thank you for joining us. We are we've listened to you for years and we're truly honored. So we appreciate coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I do have a few questions to ask you, but can you tell us a little bit about your background for our listeners? Well, it's just the uh, curtains. No, um, it's, um, it's, uh, I've been doing the PA now. So this is my 36th year, uh, for the Mariners. Um, I've been in radio, the radio business for, uh, ever since I was a senior in high school, which is a long time ago. And, um, so I was around radio and, uh, about 1986, I think it was, I got asked if I could, uh, fill in for the guy who was the PA announcer for the Mariners back in the kingdom at that time. His name was Gary Spinell. And he was also a part-time sports guy on Cairo TV and had been, um, I forget what the reason was, but he had to, he had to miss a few games. So I filled it for him in a couple of games and then. Turned out there in the off season, he ended up getting a room with uh, or getting a, a job with uh, uh, CNN or a job in Atlanta, and uh, so he had to leave the market. And they had heard me do the job before and asked if I'd be interested in doing it uh, on a regular basis. And I, of course, jumped at that and uh, have been doing it ever since with a, a few unwanted but uh, medically induced interruptions. But uh, other than that, yeah. Uh, since 1987. Okay. Did you grow up in the state of Washington or where'd you grow up? Yeah. I was Spokane native. Um, I uh, grew up there as a diehard Cougar fan, diehard Yankee fan. Um, there were no, there were no Mariners back in the day. And the, and the Spokane Indians was a triple A farm team of the Dodgers, which would have been logical for me to be a fan of. And I did like the Dodgers, but something about the Yankees, uh, captivated me this was before you know espn and all you had were you know newspaper accounts and the saturday game of the week and sitting you really get to see much but um the pinstripes had some sort of hold over me and mickey mantle was at the tail of his career and i had uh an affinity for joe pepitone and um and uh so i was i was all mixed up there were no seattle sports franchises i was a lakers fan a, a yankee fan a new york rangers fan and um and uh and so yeah i uh moved over here due to the radio business back in 1980 and i've been in seattle ever since at a variety of radio stations starting off uh my radio career began in the top 40 radio business of uh, playing music and then i uh matriculated to news about uh 18 years ago at uh, como radio which what was then como radio in seattle is now knwn northwest news radio but um Radio has been, uh, some people I think assume that the Mariners, the Mariners job is my only job or my main job, but it's, um, actually I'm just a, a contracted employee to do the broad, to do the, uh, play, uh, the public address announcing for them. Radio is, uh, is where my, my full-time, uh, allegiances lay. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I gotta talk about, it sounds weird for me to say this, but I gotta talk about your voice. Um, <laughs> I read that you're a man of faith. Is that correct? You're Catholic. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, 
God bless you with a great voice. I mean, how'd you know to oh, go into broadcasting? I, I thank him for it every morning and every night. I don't have any idea what I'd be doing if I didn't have this voice. And I, you know, people say, hey, you've got a great voice. I say, I had nothing to do with it. It's, you know, God bless me with it. And, um, uh, I'm very thankful for it. And I have, uh, always tried to, I, 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 I don't take it for granted, but yet I do kind of, it's kind of like, uh, I guess when you're a pitcher and you know you have a 97 mile an hour fastball, you kind of reach back and it's always there. And I, as I've grown older, feel like sometimes that fastball is not always there all the way, you know, at that velocity. And so I have to be a little more cognizant of taking care of it and putting less stress on it. But uh, especially because if I do a radio, I anchor the news from nine to noon on uh, Northwest News Radio. And then so that's three hours of talking, you know, pretty nonstop. And then get the afternoon off then go to the ballpark and then uh i also uh play and sing music occasionally at some area pubs so um i'm not i'm not exactly giving it the best rest sometimes but uh sometimes opportunities and commitments uh coincide to make you know make it a, a long day sometimes for that stuff i can imagine are you ever like a guest speaker somewhere or you speak at, at your church or um, you know, since the pandemic, I, I was a lector there. I, I would read the readings every, you know, third, fourth Sunday, but I have not uh, actually gone inside of the church since the pandemics began. And I've also been encountering a series of, uh, leg, ankle, back, uh, knee injuries and surgeries that have kind of kept me, um, fairly immobile and for the last several years. So, um, to the, the short answer is no, I really don't do much of that right now. I was also doing some auctioneering or not auctioneering, but I was working as a, uh, the, um, MC at a bunch of auctions for some auction auction firms, uh, before again, the pandemic hit and haven't really, uh, revisited that yet. Understood. I'm, I, myself, I'm Catholic. I've been a Catholic for all 50 plus years of my life and I don't have, I'm not gifted with the special voice like <laughs> you, but I was well, always involved. I was involved in the church up until the pandemic and now, you really can't do too much there's yeah a lot of rules involved still well yeah we all we all you know we all have our gifts and you have your gifts and and uh you know it's good that you're sharing yours too absolutely thank you and well thank you as well appreciate it um we were we read that you were head baseball coach at seattle prep is that correct uh i was a head jv coach i was an assistant varsity coach okay uh, for about 13 years uh I coached, you know, I love, I love baseball. I played in high school, but not beyond as much as I wish I would have been able to. And I had a grandson ask me the other day, did you ever try to play major league baseball? I said, no. Um, but it's, it's the sport I love and, uh, the sport I've been around for, for so long. And so I coached, uh, you know, my son's teams, I coached little league peewee CYO, and then, uh, had the opportunity to get into uh, high school ball and really enjoyed that a lot other than the weather it yeah uh, i was also <laughs> also the girls jv basketball coach and i had okay. varsity, varsity assistant there and i preferred indoors to outdoors when it came to february but. <laughs> i 100% understand do you it, you talked to abraham pre-show but he and i went to blanchett a, the oh, rival okay. of saddle prep so. yes they are <laughs> we're an r and they yeah right on. many many a great contest with them my daughter's played volleyball and they and prep and uh, Blanchett and had some huge matchups too. So it was definitely a rivalry. 
Nice. I, w- I, w- I played varsity baseball there. We graduated right. class in 90, but yeah, I was very competitive. I miss sometimes I miss those years. Yeah. <clears throat> Small world. Um, you mentioned you're on music stations. Was it KUB you started out at or where'd you start out at? Yeah, I started in Spokane at KJRB. And back in those days, this was mid 70s, uh, the AM radio was in many cases kind of like a farm system like baseball has and so i was at kjrb in spokane which was kjr was the the big the big dog over here and everybody's dream to get over here and we also had krem radio in in spokane which the the parent club if you will was king fm or king am over here and um so i went from kjrb to kjr in 19 late 1979 early 80 was there for a little over a year and then uh they made some changes and uh ended up out of a job briefly right before my first daughter was born which was scary um but again you know a uh, great opportunity that you know i credit the lord for and a, a longtime broadcaster had heard that i was out of uh that i was a free agent and was starting a new station kube down on the shores of lake washington and he was a, a veteran guy who needed some guys who had some experience in the market so he hired myself and charlie brown bob case uh, a bunch of guys who'd been around the market and charlie was you know obviously the the lead dog he was a longtime morning show host and he was our program director and i became the first music director and helped to get us on the air in a real uh adventure that i'll never forget it was literally we were at the time uh music was played on cartridges that are Oh, wow. For visual for visual sake, they looked a little bit like an eight track, but uh, they had one song on them, and commercials were on the same thing. But you had to take the record, the actual vinyl record, and dub it from the vinyl to the cartridge, and then play the cartridges on the air. Okay. Uh, so we graduated from playing forty five RPM records on the air, which would get scratchy and and need to be replaced every so often, to playing a more high fidelity and less. Uh, uh, fallible method of uh, using that which was the cartridge but i remember up till uh, the hour that we went on the air cube being in this other room dubbing off you know phil collins songs and songs by led zeppelin and you know just trying to get as many into the studio as we could <laughs> we, we debuted on saint patrick's day of 1981 and uh there's some video of it floating around on youtube somewhere and sometimes i'll go back and look and uh it, it was it was a really magic time and you know, radio changed a lot over the years uh, that I was in it. And it's, you know, m- very much more a sterile, um, at least on the music side of things, it's a very much more sterile, um, corporatized, uh, buttoned down um, game than it used to be. And, and it was really fun back then because we'd get to do some amazing things and, you know, kind of pick and choose sometimes what song we wanted to play. And we'd actually play requests because we, you know, we could dig through and find them. And, um, but it was, it was kind of at the beginning of the turning point. It was, it was really that point was in 81 was kind of getting to the early stages of the, um, kind of the final hue and cry of, of AM top 40 radio. Okay. So yeah, then it became kind of the FM thing at that point. That's cool though. Right on. Um, is it true that Glenn Beck of Fox news fame worked with you there? <laughs> I actually hired him there. I was, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually hired him there as a weekend part-timer. And I, I, I guess he didn't have the greatest 
aptitude for the music radio side of thing, but I think he did okay outside of it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was there, he was there for a while. That's yeah, that was a that was pretty amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And then you went, went you work for one star 101.5 KPLZ back in the day. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I bounced from Cube to what was then KLSY back to Cube and then to star 101.5. And when I went to Star 101.5, it was owned by the Fisher family, which owned uh, KVI and Como Radio at the time. And in uh, early 2000s, Como Radio secured the broadcast rights to the Mariners. And they took me from the, since we were sister stations, they took me from Star 101.5 and asked if I'd go over to the AM to do the sports and host pregame and postgame show on uh, Como for the Mariners broadcast. So that's when I made the switch from the uh, music side of the business to the news and sports side of the business. And um, uh, it was uh, it was it was a good move and it was a good time for it because um, playing the music um, that we played, if you liked the song, it was almost a curse because you knew you're going to be sick of it within two weeks because we you know <laughs> played it over and over and over and over and over so um the news is different every day and and uh sometimes can be you know boring but it's still different and so um i guess it was part of the maturation process for me both personally and professionally at that point okay and you worked with kent and allen is that correct? i did mm -hmm. would you do you have a story you could share i mean i i love those guys <laughs> i i call them my heckle and jekyll of the cartoon you know those two birds back in the days when yeah but well, at, when I was at when I was at Cube, they took great delight in um, in in uh, going out of their way to pull little pranks on on us. <laughs> um, they would sign us up for uh, syndication services that we had. They would sign up up for like a weekend uh, show about agriculture and you know all kinds of things that they would put the information of our program director down either myself or the program director before or after me. And, um, we'd have to, we'd spend half of our product, what was supposedly being productive time instead was being spent trying to get ourselves off of these, um, syndicated shows they'd signed us up for. Um, and then we, you know, we tried to rebut as best we could, but they were, they're pretty darn good at it. And, uh, we called him Kate and Allie and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but unfortunately they were tough guys to hate. They were just really, really good people. And yep. once I got to work with them, I, I, I found that out even more to be more so. And, uh, you know, they both have, have retired Kent just more recently, but Alan had gone a few years before that, but, uh, you know, it was just a great pleasure to work with them. They're, truly professional, amazingly talented. And as a program director, I saw firsthand during the time I was at, at Star 101.5, all the challenges that uh, came against came up against Star 101.5 from various radio stations who would be new to the market, trying to attack, you know, what they perceived as a weakness in the Star programming. And every time Ken had an answer, you know, he he would come up with some way to counterattack what they were trying to do to star. And we're able to, um, rebuff that attack. And it was, it was pretty amazing to watch. And I, I count myself lucky to have worked with those guys. That's awesome. Very blessed. It sounds like right on, uh, you mentioned starting out in 1987 as a PA announcer for the Mariners. 
back in the day, obviously we know that kingdom was pretty empty, probably 12, 13,000 a game. How, how does someone like you, or how does you and your team keep the fans interested or uh, share? <laughs> well, I can tell you that I was never a big fan of the kingdom. I was first awestruck by it when I first went inside because the first time I went inside was for the very first concert in there at Paul McCartney and Wings concert. And then I was a huge Eagles fan. So I saw two major concerts before I ever saw a sporting event in there. And then, you know, watching the Seahawks in there was really cool. And I got to come over for a Mariner game and I actually got to come over for the 1979 all-star game. And, um, and then when I started doing the PA there, there would be days where it'd be, you know, August afternoon, 85 degrees, perfect outdoor weather. We're in last place. Cleveland's coming to town. They're in last place. And, you know, nobody wanted to go inside that mausoleum to watch a ball game, <laughs> even if it was air conditioning, air conditioned. And, you know, there'd be times I thought I could save us the electricity and just lean out the window and just yell the names because there's just not that many people here. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, we tried our best and we came up with, the, you know, the Mar Mariners marketing department has always been, uh, I think, on the cutting edge of, of some really neat stuff. They came up with, uh, you know, the boat races. You know, we had the hydro races. First, it was the sailboat races here and um, the hat trick and all those kinds of things. And, you know, other little things that would just kind of uh, separate us from the other teams, like the turn ahead, the clock day and we had a, a guy that is a friend of mine, Robert Revkin, who um, became the bad dancer who lives on to this day, still at T-Mobile Park occasionally showing up to pull off his bad dance moves. And uh, <laughs> so we tried to keep people engaged as best we could, you know, that uh, for a long time that the, the ship out in center field that would rise up and fire off a cannon blast after a home run. And um, and then it then it began to be to the point where while still necessary, it wasn't as not necessary because we started to have, you know, some decent teams. And then of course, 95 being the benchmark for all of that with the magic that that had, yeah. um, still miraculous memories. And, and the 2000, you know, the 2001 team, which came later in, in across the street, but 95 is still just, you know, I, I'm not one of these guys who, uh, can quote you the starting battery for the you know 1967 world series or even even was in the 1967 world series in some cases I, I i'm just not that good with those but i vividly remember that that march to the playoffs there and that you know the double but all the other stuff that happened there too and um i just remember how back in that period of time i had um a pretty decent relationship with a lot of the players and um it was a lot uh i was i was good friends with like with mark langston and dave valley and scotty bradley and harold reynolds and buner when you know buner came along and and uh randy johnson and dan wilson and and um got to be pretty good pals with those guys and it was um fun to watch them have start to have their successes and you know mark langston and i were really good buddies it was so it was really tough when he got dealt to the expos to to watch him go but and then we got you know this randy johnson fill in return so it, it was just uh a lot of fun in that in that era even though they were still kind of finding their footing 
And then when, you know, obviously Griffey came along, it was just the, the game changed. And uh, he um, became that first big baseball superstar that we've been lacking. And, you know, I mean, Alvin was great and Langston was great. And all these other guys were, you know, Bruce Bakhti's and all these other guys were good players who did a lot of good things for this franchise and for this city. But the way um, Junior electrified it, and, you know, I'm, uh, it's not lost on, you know, sports writers here in the town, in this town right now, like Larry Stone and such that, you know, say it's not really a stretch to kind of uh, say the same thing about Julio Rodriguez and what he's doing right now. I was going to jump ahead to that real quick. Is Julio Rodriguez the next greatest thing? I think so. Uh, he He's risen to every little moment he's had the chance to rise to. And I think the All-Star game was kind of the uh, – the proof positive of that, that no moment is too big for him. And I think the way he plays the game with that smile on his face and, you know, a little skip when he catches a fly ball and just pure joy. I mean, it's just the way it's supposed to be, but it's not that way anymore for most guys. I mean, 95% of them, they'll celebrate, you know, when they hit a home run or they'll flip the bat or they'll stop to admire their home run or they'll do their dance in the, dugout after a home run or after a victory but i mean every facet of the game is something for him to celebrate and be joyful about and it's just like he's got this energy permeating uh his whole being that just is uh you know hard to ignore and it's 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 contagious and i think you know the city's very much picking up on that i mean they've he's still you know two-thirds of the way through his first season and he's got the uh, J Rod squad out in center field, and you know, he's been a home run derby runner up and really just electrified that whole crowd and made his presence felt across the country during that. And, um, be obviously great to get him back in the lineup. I mean, that's a concern and a, I guess, cause for celebration is how, how hard and, uh, Un, uh, uh, unbridled he is when he plays the game but you know he's 21 and so he, he can get away with that but then you start to see the wrist injury and then you start you know you just hope he maybe dials it back a, a, enough that he's going to have a long 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 healthy career here and uh, hopefully it's all here absolutely we we cover the Everett Aquasock so we were fortunate and blessed to watch him last season oh yeah yeah it just made every game fun to watch and exciting and he just made that team so much fun and the fans came out and the guy, like you just said, he had a smile on his face and uh, you, you knew something special was happening. Mm-hmm. Obviously we, we see that this year in Seattle. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's, and I'm not, and I'm not piling on Jared Kelnick cause he came up maybe with the, with the higher ceiling or, or the more or the greater expectations and was seemingly the more major league ready but his attitude is completely 180 degrees different. He's, he's uh, all about intensity and you can just like see the, you know, almost trying to squeeze the sawdust out of the bat handle. And, you know, you just hope that he gets to a point where he can relax and let his natural ability take over and not be so um, intense and put so much pressure on himself and just play the game. Like he was a, you know, a kid again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, back to the early days again, Abraham wanted me to ask you, when are they going to bring back the pipe organ? We remember the pipe organ back in the kingdom. You think it'll ever make its presence again in baseball or in Seattle? I know some stadiums still have 
I, I believe some stadiums still have actual uh, at the major league level still have an actual organist in house. We have um, I can't remember Jerry's last name, and it's a shame. We have an organist named Jerry who's a, a fine musician who was uh, conscripted to play what you do here um, on the keyboard at the stadium. Uh, you know, some classic dot 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 and all that kind of stuff, but some other things as well. Some you know, just kind of like nice sunny summer afternoon ditties that are familiar and um and he actually did come in i think during a turn back the clock day a couple years ago and played the organ there live um but i don't think there's any plan afoot to do that but there's something about that sound of the actual ballpark organ that actual not not a synthesizer not a you know not something with the the voices that you hear in a pop song but just a good old-fashioned organ that just evokes those memories and you know again from spokane i go to the spokane indians games and i you know remember the smell of cigar smoke and and you know the taste of a peanut and then the sound of that organ it was just um you know etched in my mind forever that's a great memory right on <laughs> um we interviewed former mariner jeff nelson a, few, a couple months ago and Long story short, we asked him about playing in Yankee Stadium, and he mentioned the ghosts of Yankee Stadium. Is there, quote, ghosts of the kingdom that you recall that you may have encountered or heard about? Well, there might be some sort of uh, uh, verbal vapor trail of Lou Lou, uh, Prinella obscenities still, (laughs) still floating through the air around there. (laughs) <laughs> um or or randy johnson's you know glowering presence before a game when he was starting when everybody steered clear of him um and maybe just a little of the ghost of that you know that smile uh beneath the dog pile that ken griffey jr had after the double that you know is is gonna live on forever but yankee stadium boy you know i visited there for the first time in in 87 and uh it was amazing because I, uh, you know, got the chance because of my friendships with some of the guys to go out to the monuments, walk across the outfield, and uh, was just awestruck. You know, thinking, man, Babe Ruth was out here, and Lou Gehrig was out here, and all the other guys were out here, and there were people up there in top coats and fedoras smoking cigars, and the best of the best, the legends all played here on the on this field. And I, you know, stooped down and picked up a couple blades of grass, and there's this. I mean, at, at that point, even in 87, this is well before the new Yankee Stadium came into me, but at that point, it was a dank, outdated, uh, smelly, too narrow uh, building to serve the purposes it was supposed to be serving. And I went into the visitor's clubhouse there, which was, you know, I've seen, you know, walk-in closets that are bigger, and it's just... Uh, uh, amazing how I guess for a long, long time they were able to put that brand and that history and that mystique above everything. In fact, you know when the Mariners just played there this this uh, road trip, and they showed the the visuals of the exterior of the stadium, and I thought it's still just Yankee Stadium. It's not, you know, Penn Colonial Yank, you know, Stadium. It's it's Yankee Stadium, and there's only a few arenas football fields and and baseball parks that have been able to hang on to that and really i mean even wrigley field's been named for a chewing gum company for years everybody you know acts like that's 
pure and wholesome and un, unfettered by sponsorship <laughs> as well. It's not really the case, but yeah. you know, I guess Fenway Park and uh, Yankee Stadium and Lambeau Field and not many of those left. No, there's not. Speaking of that, uh, my next question then will be, did you ever get to meet the late great Bob Shepard of the New York Yankees, their PA announcer? I never did. Oh, I no. wish I had. Darn no, it. I, I, I wish I had. Um, um, I wanted to try to go up there while I was there on that visit in 87. Um, but I really didn't know the lay of the land. And I was, you know, gosh, I was 20. I just had turned 30. Okay. And so um, I guess I was still a little little starstruck maybe and um and i went back on one more time while he was still there uh, he had been reduced to kind of a part-time role by that point and uh and that that was a huge regret i did i did get to meet ernie harwell who was a long time play-by-play voice for the tigers awesome and that was a pleasure um and some of the other you know radio people and some of the pa announcers too but um yeah bob shepherd would have been a definite uh bucket list check off for sure have have you been to all the ballparks or majority of them or uh i've been to 17 of the current parks i had always wanted to try to get to each one and i went to several of the others that later shut down so i kind of like you know on my own little rules that i made up thought well i can't count that now because it's not the park anymore so i've been to old yankee stadium but i haven't been to new yankee stadium i've been to the astrodome i've been to old um comiskey park in chicago uh, I went to Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, um, and uh, gosh, is there any others that are? I went to Shea Stadium, but I have I have gone to City Field since then. So, seventeen of the current ballparks I've been to, and I'm just kind of holding out that maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll relocate the Tampa Bay Rays so that I don't have to go to Tampa Bay because I really have. <laughs> would have no other reason to go down there other than to see their ballpark and I, <laughs> not, nothing to see there either. No, there's not. <laughs> um, I got to ask this question and I probably know the answer, but is there ever like, do they ever get all the PA announcers together, whether it's a zoom or do you guys like have a winter meeting or something where you guys <laughs> can meet one another or no, you know, that'd be a great idea. Um, I, I there was a, somebody, Excuse me, I don't know if this is going to do anything to the video aspect of this, but I want to shift my knee here. Um, no worries. Somebody a few years ago put out a Facebook page for PA announcers, and I I uh, was on it for a while, and then I just, it just, you know, I, I just, I wasn't really keeping up with it, so I I, I think I unfollowed it, but um, it would be really fun to talk uh, shop with all the guys, you know, and just kind of get the lay of the land on who's where and who's been there, how long and how they got there and if they do any other sports and uh, things like that. Cause somebody asked me earlier this season, if there's any other baseball PA announcers that have been doing it longer than me. And I said, I, I don't know. I knew they had a, uh, the person in Oakland that had been doing it for a long time, but now they have a female who's the fem- the, the main everyday announcer. And, um, so I'm not sure, but yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun to talk about that with other guys. Yeah. That was, and, and as a, a fan too. Sorry to interrupt you as a fan. No. That'd be kind of cool to hear you about that. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, it would be. Um, and I'm sure they've all had some interesting experiences as well. So, um, 
it's uh it's become a little bit of a i mean there's been a lot of changes that i've seen through the years doing what i do um given the uh, increase in things like social media and digital media and uh, the way things are presented at the ballpark now, like I, you know, I was mentioning a while ago, the antiquated looking sailboat races and things like that at the Kingdom, which are now done with ex extraordinary vividness and lifelike quality for things like the, the hydro races and the hat trick and all the animation that not only at T-Mobile Park, but around the country and all facets of, of major league sports are just amazing and i mean just boggles the mind sometimes i look up sometimes i go i have no idea how they did that but it really looks cool and that's the depth of my knowledge about it and um and the mariners have won several awards um for their game time in pregame and during the game's uh presentation and uh they have been able to run out just a steady stream of really talented knowledgeable people um on that end of the business that technical end of the business and and have just made that ballpark presentation such a great thing for fans to enjoy i mean it, i i maintain that even if you're not a fan if you go to the ballpark there's going to be something for somebody pretty much every inning break that's of interest or a challenge or could reward you or could uh, be a play along thing uh and when you, you know, in 25 years ago, I had to rely on the organist and, and a, uh, you know, the hat trick or the boat race, or, you know, sailboat race as kind of the only forms of entertainment. You're kind of left to your own devices, you know, while you listen to, you know, um, the latest top 40 song between innings and and then uh, the batter music, you know, all the walk up songs back then, back the kingdom. We chose the bulk of those for the players, maybe based on their name or based on what city they were from or um, something like that. And then they started to think, well, yeah, why don't we pick our own? So they started they started to send up CDs and ask us to play these songs before they went up to the, the plate. And um, so they got more and more. I thought in some cases got overly concerned about what was being played. I thought, you know, you're hitting 208. Maybe you should be worried about what you're going to be swinging, <laughs> swinging yeah. at rather than what you're listening to up there. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's become its own little call it cottage industry is the, the walk-up music. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, this is not, wasn't on my pre-show questions, but just popped up in my brain. Um, Bat Night was a great promo when I was growing up as a kid, going to the kingdom. Why did why did they ever get rid of that? I mean, did they still have that when you started? Uh, yeah, and I I don't think it was that long ago that we've had them at in Soto. Um, okay, I don't think I don't think it's been ten years or more since the last time. But I also know there's concerns with regard to safety, and there's concerns with regard to noise um, okay. because if people start pounding them on the concrete, you know, in front of their seat. It can be ear splitting. So, um, and I'm not sure what it costs to, you know, they're obviously not major league quality or minor league quality bats, but, yeah. but boy, I mean, as a kid, you're just were thrilled, thrilled to get one of those. That was just so cool. And, um, um, so I, I, I know they still go on in some, in some ballparks and I, I just don't think we've done one for a few years, but I, I don't think it's a, 
a permanent ban. I, I, I don't think it's a, um, I just think maybe they're feeling like some other stuff is a safer, B cheaper to get out there and, 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 and more quantity than you can with the bats. So, um, but that's a good question. I'll have to check that out. I would love to hear your response on that. I just, yeah. I just remember sitting in the kingdom and left field going to bat night, banging the bat on those awful seats that they had, but yeah, you know, the fans would just come out for it. And it was just great promo. I was, I was uh, a side story here. My, uh, at a Spokane Indians game, they gave away bats. And again, they were, you know, basically just a little more dense than balsa wood. And you, um, you know, could go out the backyard and hit a tennis ball with it. But if you went out to, you know, play a game at, of with a real hard ball and it'd, you know, be about three swings before that thing was broken. And, um, but one time, irony of ironies, there had been a bat of the flying variety in our, uh, under our patio awning in my, house where my parents lived and my dad grabbed my bat from the Spokane Indians game and clubbed the bat. So he hit the bat with the bat. And then I said, well, there's, you know, it's like, now there's, I said, there's like bat guts all over it. And he goes, Oh, don't worry. And he stuck it in some solution and it completely bleached the end of the bat and, you know, ruined the color, the sheen that was on there, which was not much anyway. Yeah. I was just, I was just crushed. He had ruined my, my little, Cracker Jack model bat. <laughs> oh, that's a great story, though. Yeah, and, and again, I gosh, I haven't thought of that in 35 years, but it's just popped into my head. <laughs> right on. Um, a couple, a few more questions. I know we're getting near the end of our time. Um, oh, gosh. Favorite Mariners moment, but you can't bring up 1995 or 2001. You have a favorite Mariners moment other, in another year? Oh, let's see. That's a good question. Um, hmm. Well, I guess not necessarily a Mariners moment, but I, I guess it was when uh, when the All Star Game was here in, in two thousand one, and okay. and we had the the switching of the positions at shortstop between A Rod and and Ripken, and then when Ripken hit the home run, um, and then Tommy Lasorda went tumbling. Those were all just really, <laughs> yep, all really memorable moments from that from that game. But as far as an actual Mariner uh, moment, um. You know, frankly, it was probably uh, it was probably when Junior came back for the first time when he was with the Reds. Um, okay. We were worried. I was worried about how he'd be received, and and I went into their their clubhouse before the game and just said, "Hey, you know, I I hope they give you the ovation you're due for having all you've done done all you had done here." And he said, "I'm not worried about it," which was you know his typical kind of attitude but uh he was really i could tell he was really moved by it and it was just really neat to see that the fans embraced him with open arms as, as opposed to how they did with some other players like alex alex you know when they returned because it was under different circumstances obviously but um that was probably that was maybe i kind of i was kind of tearing up but it was really it was pretty pretty emotional i remember watching it on tv that it was pretty emotional no appreciate sharing that uh, I heard you worked with Bob Roberts and former, oh, he's always going to be a legend, but former Wazoo broadcaster icon. Can you yeah. share something about working with him? Yeah. Um, 
having grown up a cougar fan in spokane i remember listening to him when i was young and it, for some reason i just always thought it would be so cool to work with him and i hadn't even i don't think really formulated the the germ of an idea that i might want to be a broadcaster in any way shape or form but for some reason i just thought you know i'm gonna i'm gonna work with him that someday and it just uh i would listen to him do the games and he left and he did the husky game for a few years and he came back and to me and i'm sure to you and to thousands and thousands of people he was a fall afternoon i mean that was when that radio clicked on and you heard his voice was like man all's right with the world it's just bob roberts is back and the cougars are playing and they're probably going to go two and eight or two and eleven or whatever it might be but hearing him do the game was amazing and so in 1984 i was at cube at the time and i got a call from the general manager at kbi who had been my general manager at kjr and kbi at the time was doing oldies am oldies but they also had the cougar broadcast rights and he knew what a cougar fan i was and he said we need a morning guy for the oldies station would you be interested in coming over here doing the morning show and doing the color commentary with bob robertson on the cougar broadcasts and i thought oh my gosh the first part of that doesn't sound very enticing because it's going to be a radio station that's going to get like you know maybe my close relatives and a couple of friends listening um <laughs> but the cougar aspect of it was like gosh i that's a dream come true so i had no practical experience doing any of that and i was very grateful to bob for not being standoffish or resistant to it because the radio station got to choose who did it and so that was amazing even though i think we went seven and four i believe that year and just kind of were on the cusp of the bowl game which there were a lot fewer of them then but um we started the season in knoxville tennessee and neyland stadium and got blown out there but it was just an amazing experience going to into this you know college football hotbed where you know you hear about southern hospitality and everybody was so nice and it was you know still the end of summer and um that was that was a blast and we came home and i think we had ball state at home and then we went on the road again to ohio state at the time the cougars had a lengthy uh string of 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 scoring a touch at least a point in every game they they had not been shut out and I said, for some reason i think it was 140 some games they had a long long streak of scoring well uh they had uh chris spielman their big star linebacker then at ohio state and they shut us out 44 to nothing but I, i'll remember the experience on that one is that jim walden was a coach who was uh just this you know charming quote machine southern gentleman and pretty good football coach and on the way to the stadium bob and i were sitting behind coach walden and one of his assistants and all of a sudden these sirens start blaring and we look out either side of the bus and we were getting a police escort to the stadium and i just remember walden turning around going well there goes the element of surprise (laughs) i just uh, always stuck with me um and we indeed, yeah, got beaten bad there. But I, I, I mean, I got to go to Elm Stadium in, in Knoxville, Ohio State, Stanford Stadium, which was at the time still uh, a big, big ballpark, and then uh, the Rose Bowl. So I got to go to four really great college football venues 
the Rose Bowl was the regularly scheduled game against UCLA, which was a remarkable game for the Cougs that day. And they also had a historic, I think, 28-point comeback against Stanford down on the farm. So we got to see some great uh, some great stadiums. And we had a uh, really the RPM backfield, uh, Ruben Mays and Kerry Porter and Mark Rippon. And I still have somewhere in my possession a score sheet when the Cougs played at Oregon at Otsis Stadium and Ruben Mays set the record for rushing yards at the game. He had 357 yards and I had my stat sheet somewhere still as I filled it out along the way. And uh, at the time, it was the greatest rushing performance in college football history. It's been eclipsed several times since then. But yeah, some great memories for just doing it one year. And then the next year, I just thought I can't continue working at the, at the radio station at the time. I, so I went back to, uh, to Cube or actually went to KLSY at that point, but it was great work with Bob. Bob is the professional. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard stories, but with all, even in 84, there were a lot of other uh, ways that you could keep stats, but he had an abacus. He literally kept stats on an abacus and uh, would slide over four beads for a four yard gain. And the passing, you know, was the red and the yellow was the rushing and, He'd be able to sit there and tell you, oh, that's, you know, 148 yards of offense for the Cougars. And it's like, yep, that's what I got here with my pen and my uh, calculator. <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was great to hang out with him. He was, he was a very classy, understated, uh, uh, beloved, but uh, not ever at the expense of his dignity. He was a very dignified guy. And uh, I'd run into him over the years and he was always, um, you know, very happy to see me. And, you know, even though it was just the one year we had together, he, you know, would say, hey, we had a great year that year, didn't we? And it was fun. And, you know, he he was also a baseball broadcaster. He did Spokane Indians for a long time. He really sorely had wanted to get the Mariners job. Yeah. And uh, I think that was always a, a major regret for him that he wasn't able to get that. But, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was the Cougars. That's for sure. Definitely. Who that gives me a chill. Thank you for that. Yeah. I heard you also filled in for the mayor of Pullman, Glenn Johnson. Is that correct? I did. I did. I got him to a bowl game. Um, they, uh, he apparently had a cruise. I'm not sure what had happened and I don't know how often he ever missed games, but it was, I think it was once every Haley's Comet and he, um, couldn't make it for whatever whatever reason and they asked me if i wanted to do it and uh the the guy who was kind of overseeing their um game day operations for sports over there had worked with us with us at the mariners his name was marty northcroft and he asked if i wanted to do it i said yeah we're out of town that weekend i'd love to do it well it was actually Mar baseball season was over and so it, it ended up being against utah and uh if the cougs won they were going to go to a bowl game and so that was exciting the only down side of it was that utah has a large contingent of polynesian players so the pronunciation was a challenge all afternoon long but it was still a lot of fun that's cool did, did, did they make you after every first down say that's another cougar first I, down i did i asked i said you know that's kind of glenn's thing yeah you, you don't i don't want to step on toes and if you don't want me to do it i'm fine not doing it and he said well let's just do it you know how you would do it just do it you know in your own style okay. so we did it that way yeah <laughs> right on. yeah <laughs> i i did remember going in and seeing uh that uh 
that Bob Robertson at that point, by the time that it, they had refurbished the stadium and it got, it was just gorgeous. That's the first time I'd been back there since they'd refurbished it. And it was such uh, a showcase. And I just remember when I walked by the broadcast booth, Bob's chair said the voice of the Cougars on the back of the chair. And I uh, thought that was cool that they'd honored it with that. And it became the Bob Robertson Broadcast Center or broadcast, uh, broadcast booth up there. So, yeah, I had a chance to work with him and, of course, Dave Niehaus, too. So, um, uh, two of the greats. Absolutely. Really blessing, for sure. Very much. Yeah, you mentioned that going back to Wazoo and the how they remodeled everything. We, we were fortunate to cover the Cougars a few years in a row, and I got to sit in their, you know, their remodeled press box and cover them. And, oh, my gosh, it's just yeah, it was amazing, insane. Yeah, I, I guess uh, what hit me was, you know, Pullman is Pullman, and the budgetary constraints that Washington State Athletics operates under are very real. And so when I thought, when I saw it, I thought, well, this will be, you know, a nice step up for these, you know, these guys here in Pullman. They're going to get a nice new updated stadium. They'll have, you know, a few amenities here and it'll be, it'll be good for them. It'll be perfect for the folks of Pullman. And when I went in there, I thought this is a classical, classic, beautiful upgrade for any institution. This was just top notch all the way around. And so that was really gratifying to see. So I, yeah. I have not been able to get back over there since that game. And I can't even remember what year that was, but it's been a while and I want to, I want to get back over there. I just, again, I've had all these challenges with uh, knee surgeries and the like, and just getting around has been uh, uh, a chore. So trying to get healthy so I can get over there and play the golf course over there again. It's a great golf course, Palouse Ridge. And they also have wine Valley and Walla Walla and the circling Raven down there. And, and uh, I love to golf. So that's a great, get away there so right on i so when you brought up golf so i do have a quick question what's your hand do you have a handicap yeah what i i haven't played for almost four years now because of my ankle and foot and knee and i when i was uh i believe when i kind of shut it down i was at about a 17 okay maybe an 18 um you know good enough to be able to hang in for a few holes if you're playing you know in a little competition with your buddies and then uh also uh, inconsistent enough to you know run off the rails and you know shoot back-to-back snowmen so um <laughs> it's a humbling game i was telling somebody the other day i said i, I really want to I'll, I'll tell you i was telling my best friend i grew up with in spokane and we've he keeps saying well we got to get you better got to get you better got to get back on the course and i said i want to play golf so bad and he said you do play golf so bad so I <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, uh, one second to last question. Abraham says I have to ask you this. I didn't personally. I didn't realize this, but what drove you to sing a salute to the Mississippi Mustache Garden Ministry? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember exactly how that happened. I uh, I mentioned earlier I play and sing um, some at pubs. It's one of these long time passions that I had never really indulged until about seven eight years ago i started to learn to play guitar and then would play go out to some areas area pubs and play just solo stuff on my own or um i have a, a band that i have that plays some uh local things here in seattle too which i had to miss one on tuesday night because of this surgery but um 
uh, I was a few people knew this, and that this was that year of Minshew, and uh, was out watching the Stanford Cougar game uh, with some buddies at the lodge in Kirkland, and uh, my friends said somebody needs to to do a song about Minshew, and they were looking squarely at me, and I. <laughs> Because I'd written some parody songs before. I, I've done, like, way back in the day, I did a thing to the tune of Ghostbusters called Raider Busters. It was on, it actually got played on Monday Night Football. And oh, nice. The Seahawks, and I did a uh, song about Brian Bosworth when we signed him called La Bosworth to the tune of La Bamba. <laughs> uh, one about the city of Seattle, kind of like all the history of Seattle basically rolled into a song that was done along the lines of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Um, but they were always, um, other songs that I just wrote lyrics to and did, you know, sang. Um, but I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun to write the, 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 the Minshew thing. So I sat down one night, wrote the lyrics, um, recorded it into my phone, sent it to my buddy, who's kind of my guitar instructor slash, uh, bandmate and said, what do you think about this? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, it's apple cup week next week. So, I mean, if we're going to do this, we'd have to do it like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And so we managed to get into a, our mutual friend's studio, recorded it. They did the music on it. I laid down my track and my vocal track. And then they, you know, went, I went back in after that and we did a couple of little sweetening things. And then um, really uh, the ad advantage that I had was that uh, working at Como Radio, we had, I had access to the Como um, video uh, editors and I asked one of them, who is a Coog, Wayne White, would you would you be able to put this to some video of, you know, Gardner Minshew doing stuff, you know, doing all of his, his, his uh, game-saving heroics. And uh, so he put together a great video. And the song, I don't know how many it's at now. It, it really took off and was really, really big for that week, right, leading up to the Apple Cup, which ended in disappointment that year. But, um, yeah, it was fun to do. And his, I know his family heard it. I know he heard it. And, um, I never did get to talk to him, but I had a few email uh, or, or Facebook message uh, conversations about it with his dad, and they were all very grateful and thought it was pretty funny and pretty pretty fun. That's awesome. Are there any? Can we find this on YouTube or anywhere on the internet? Yeah, it's on. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think if you just type in Mississippi Mustache, now there's two of them because after he made it to the NFL, it was with Jacksonville. We did a, a an NFL version. So you'd have to be careful that you got the, the Cougar one. Okay. I think, I think if, if you see it in the very first little frame that comes up on YouTube, it shows some fans in the stands in Cougar gear. So I think that's the, the Cougar version. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It was uh, a lot of fun <laughs> right now. Uh, la I guess last question I want to ask, I know you're recovering from your surgery, but what, I mean, what's next for you? I mean, you, you think you'll be doing this for the next five to 10 years or where do you see yourself? Well, um, people ask me that. And I, I, my answer has always been, I'd like to do it till we win a world series. Um, but yeah, that was Dave Niehaus's wish too. And <laughs> true. So there's no, you know, there's no guarantee that time is going to make that happen, but I think we're in a much more, advantageous position to make that happen now than we have been for several years so um and i'm not even saying that if we won the world series i would step away from it because i do love it i do love baseball i do love being around it and like anything it gets to be a grind but uh i just tell people that if you think the seahawks super bowl parade was something if we win a world series this is going to be 
something like you've never seen before. And I just would love to be a part of that and get a ring and um, then decide. But uh, I'll, as long as they'll have me, I'll do it. You know, it's, it's, I kind of started to allude to this later or earlier that, um, that, you know, I'm 65 right now. And a lot of the music that they'll play between innings at the games are like, they have a music trivia and it's like, I have no idea who that is. And I've been around music for a long time. And so I kind of like, boy, I hope they don't, you know, think old Hitler is starting to miss the beat and maybe not relatable enough to the current crowd and, and say, Hey, you know, thanks for what you did, but we're going to get a little younger here. And maybe that happens before I want it to happen. I don't know, but um, as long as they'll have me, I'll, I'll keep rolling it out there. Outstanding. Love to hear that. You, a lot of people I told that you're going to come our show and they're like excited to hear that. You have a lot of fans out there. I, I know I don't know. I, I don't know a thousand people, but <laughs> I know well, there's, that's... there's a lot of, everybody loves you in Seattle, the state of Washington. Let's say that. <laughs> that's, that's very nice. I, I, it's become more apparent in the last few years, how people have appreciated what I do and tell me that I've been a part of their soundtrack of their life and that they grew up going to the games and listen to me with, obviously that makes me feel a little older, but it also makes me feel good that they have those memories and I could be a part of that because for me, it's, you know, I mean, you know, do what I can to, to spread the gospel of God, but it's also kind of nice to try to spread the gospel of baseball a little bit. And if anybody wants to talk baseball with me, I'm always happy to do it. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun outstanding amen to that we we always like to end our show on a positive note we call it a shout out it's just something positive about a person place or thing um i'll go ahead and start so you get, get an idea of what i'm talking about but i, I, okay. I want to give a shout out to my wonderful wife janine of last month was our 20th anniversary and i i, I always do the shout outs to her mainly be, but it's because she's always been there for me she's my rock and I, I love her to death and I just want to thank you for all you do for me, hon. So oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, how, well, how about you? I'm not sure when this will actually uh, uh, be available to listen to, but I, today is August 4th and it's actually my, uh, one of my six grandchildren, my granddaughter, Soli's uh, seventh birthday today. So I'd give a shout out to her. Uh, she is uh, somebody who, as I, I mean, I'm doing it right now. And when I think of her, I just smile. She's like one of the most full of life, funny, cute, intelligent, uh, create creations ever put on this earth and in more general terms shout out to all of my uh, grandkids because I've had the chance to spend the last few weeks getting to see the ones that I have that have been living in Boston for the last four years and are now moving to California and have been able to stop here for a few weeks before they move down there uh, my son-in-law is joining Space Force and so uh, he's been in the Air Force back on the East Coast and so Shout out to all my kids and grandkids. I love them all. And they bring me a lot of, of joy and happiness. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, do you have any social media or anything or any projects outside of baseball you would care to promote before we end the podcast? Uh, nothing, nothing formal. No. Um, but yeah, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and, uh, and <laughs> just dangerous enough to be able to put stuff on there and, and uh, inadequate enough to not be able to, edit stuff if i need to <laughs> but, <laughs> that's all right <laughs> yeah all right well thank you tom hotler for joining us today on our sales sports union podcast we are my like, pleasure we are truly blessed and someday if you want to come on again we'd love to have you on absolutely a lot we'll of fun be, thanks brian thank you we'll be praying for your health as well 
Appreciate that very much. Take care. All right. You too. God bless. All right. God bless, man. Take care. You too.